Well, I guess you're all in here this morning, and uh, I haven't written a long sermon. I don't know if it'll turn into a longer sermon, but it's not written as well. Um, it's now my turn to say something applicable to this Christmas season, perhaps, and uh, may the Holy Spirit help me to honour the Lord as we do that. Subject this morning, title, what do you call him? What do you call him? We had a few days when we didn't know what the name of our grandson was because Becky and Andy hadn't decided. It took a few days for them to settle on his name, which is Moss. Okay. There you go. When John the Baptist was born, the children are going out this morning. I'm sorry. Sorry, children, you are going out this morning. Okay. So, giants, you're going to have your time out together? All right. When John the Baptist was born to Zacharias and Elizabeth in their advanced years, when he was born, they asked what name he was to be given. And Elizabeth answered John, for that was the name they'd been given by God's messenger, the angel from God. Zacharias was asked what name, and he had to write it down, John, because he'd been struck down for months because of his unbelief. So he was named John. When Jesus was born, his name was given him by God. It was to be Jesus. Which, in the original, sounds more like Yeshua. And it means God is the Saviour. God is our salvation. And the message was, you will call his name Jesus because you will save his people from their sins. We'll come to that in a bit. Now Jesus is not the only name that attaches to the Lord or describes him. And his name and names are very important to us. In fact, they are life-changing. Some people have posters up on the wall of names of God, you know, Jehovah Nissi, Jehovah Raphim, and, and so on, um, which is really Yahweh, not Jehovah. Um, that's all very well, but you see, any poster or motto or, or epithet or, 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 or fridge magnet with words on it or whatever else is only as good as the practical use you make of that truth. Some people go out and buy themselves a life application Bible. Well, bless them for that, but my friend, the whole Bible is life application. And if you don't read it that way, you need January to start again and read it that way. As this is for your life. This is to change the way you are. Here's what we're about this morning. What do you call him? What you call the Lord Jesus connects to what you believe about him, how you relate to him, and how you will behave before him. What you call him. What you call him and mean it and understand it will change what you believe, how you relate to him, and how you behave before him. Believing and behaving always will go together. The way you believe is the way you behave. As a man thinks in his heart, so you see. What you believe about the truth changes the way you behave. Here's another statement. We don't just call him by a name. 
we call on that name and live by that name. When the Lord says, I am your healer, we reply, I'm sick, Lord, you are my healer, would you please heal me? You understand that? We don't just call him by a name, we call on that name. And we live independence on that name. So today I want to consider just a few key names, and there's, there's really only four and a half, that we need to know him by, to know the Lord Jesus by, and call on him in that way and live by that name. And most of the scriptures I'm about to use are part of this nativity narrative. The first one is obvious, really. Jesus equals saviour. She will bear a son, and she, she, you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now let's get this straight. He is not just the saviour to forgive you and restore you from being a fallen sinner. That is, when you have sinned. This is not just about forgiveness for getting it wrong. It includes that. But that's only the beginning of his grace and mercy. We call him saviour and we receive his help in fighting and killing sin. Bound up in the name of Jesus is his saving us from our sins. Did you get that? From them. Delivering us from the power of sin. And the controlling habits of sin. From those we've already committed and from committing them day by day. Some never again by his grace. We overcome sin in ourselves and we overcome the world and we overcome Satan. We studied it in 1 John last year. By, through our faith in Jesus, the Son of God, our Savior. We overcome we, we, we tackle them, we deal with them, we battle with them, we overcome them by the supply of his grace, the supply of the help of our Saviour. A Saviour, interesting thing, I'll come back to this a bit later, but around the time of Jesus, the Roman emperors, who were all, already a kind of de- demonic parody of Messiah, yeah, they'd kind of been raised up as a devilish alternative, to Jesus, they began to call themselves God and Saviour. Did you ever hear that? It's on their statues. This Roman Emperor, God and Saviour. What they meant was when we take you over and we kick you into shape, then there'll be peace and order in your little stupid native land kind of thing. You know, we're going we're gonna to bring you into our, our empire, which is cool. Not sure everybody thought that was true, but we're saving you from your stupidity and saving you from your from your atheism, meaning they didn't believe in the Roman gods. Jesus is the true Saviour. He rescues us from disorder. He rescues us from distress. He rescues us from being desperate and lost. And he brings us to peace. He brings us to order. He brings us to wholeness. If the gospel you heard is only about forgiveness and not about empowering grace, you didn't hear enough of the gospel. 
He will save his people from their sins. He'll help them and deliver them and strengthen them and make them secure. Again and again and again. If you don't call on him as saviour, if you don't ask him for his help, then no wonder you stumble. Yeah? You, we, you have not, says James, because you ask not. Ask him to save you. Ask him to help you. Ask him to strengthen you. That's a, it reminds me of a hymn we sang at Sunday school. Ask a savior to help you, to strengthen you, to heal you. He's willing to aid you, aid you. He will carry you through. That was the chorus of a hymn I learned. Like, you know, that bit. So that's the first one. Savior. How you call on that name. What you believe about him will change the way you live. That's one. The second one is shepherd. I like the shepherd there staring out the walls, don't you? Again, Matthew 2. You, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. That's a quotation from Micah. Thank you very much, Natalia. That's a quotation from Micah 5, verse 2. Indeed. A little prophetic interlude there, but then she, she is, she, she, she is Tamsin's daughter. <laughs> Here's another one from Isaiah. Like a shepherd, he will tend his flock. In his arms, he will carry the lambs. That's not just young people, but kids. We love kids. We take care of them. But young Christians too. When Jesus said, feed my lambs, he's meaning new believers too. And carry them in his bosom. Bosom's an old-fashioned English word, isn't it? You know, in, in, in his chest. Up to him, up close. He will gently lead the nursing ewes. Many of us are familiar, of course, with Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. How do I relate to that name? The Lord Jesus is my shepherd. He leads me. He feeds me. He guards me. He restores my soul. He keeps me from my enemies. Yeah, I'm, I'm paraphrasing Psalm 23 to you. Yeah. How do I relate to that name? Well, first of all, Jesus is smart and I am not. Right? You've got to swallow that down. I've never yet seen a sheep with a degree. <laughs> Smart they are not. When Jesus is exalted as our shepherd, that makes us sheep, and that puts us down from where we think we are. We need a shepherd. Jesus is smart, and I am not as smart. I think I've got these big ideas to impress God with, and God's got much better plans than I dream about. <clears throat> Number two, he is strong, and I am not. 
And when I think I'm strong, I'm in trouble. But when I know I'm weak, I begin to rely on his strength. He's our defender and protector. And I, again, I've never yet seen a sheep fight for itself. You know, along comes the snarling dog and the sheep takes him on. No, it doesn't. Ah, it doesn't happen. No. No. They need a shepherd and the care that the shepherd provides, sometimes through his trained dogs even. But they need the care of the shepherd to defend them and protect them. And we need our shepherd. We need our shepherd. And he's our guide, our leader. We need someone to give us direction, to give us purpose. We depend upon his wise leadership. And he really is wiser than I can imagine. And that's a whole lot wiser than I think I am. The way I relate to Jesus being my shepherd changes the way I live. I, live begin, I begin to live as someone dependent upon a provider and a guide and a protector rather than thinking, this is my deal, watch me do it. Is the Lord your shepherd? Oh, you've all gone home. <laughs> Next one, the Lord. Jesus is Lord and King. It's the same expression. Lord equals King. In the Roman Empire, again, during the time of Jesus, this kind of devilish parody was building up. This, by the time of uh, the AD 50s, 60s, when, when the, ch- the early church was around, there was a whole thing that went on in Roman Empire. You had to make a sacrifice and declare that Caesar was Lord. You had to acknowledge the godship, the kingship, the lordship of the Roman Caesar, the Roman Emperor. So when the disciples were going around after the resurrection of Jesus, saying Jesus is Lord, that was a radical statement. Under the Roman emperors, Roman emperors, they claimed total godlike authority and obedience, and they appointed local kings and governors as lords over particular areas of the empire, and those men had the power of life and death. But Christians began to walk around saying, Jesus is Lord. And they would rather die than deny or retract that statement. They were prepared to declare, in the same way that the, the gathered Jews at, the, at Gabbatha before uh, Pilate, very, very sadly and tragically said, take him away, we have no king but Caesar. So the Christians come on the scene and say, we have no king but Jesus. And you can kill us if you, if you must. Why? Because their citizenship was in a greater kingdom and a better city. Their king was a far better king. Altogether better and greater and kinder and more powerful. Why wouldn't you submit to the better one? To the greater one? To the kinder one? Jesus is king. And they knew as Many of us will know from Romans 8 that nothing, not even death, could separate from them from the love of their king. 
Jesus is king. Now, if Jesus is king, that makes me a subject. Now, he rules and he reigns and he provides and he organizes and he takes care of his people. But I have a responsibility to a king. Sum it up in one word. Obedience. I do his will. I keep his word. King. But within king, I have another word I want to give to you. Master. Now what if you are not just the subject of a great and good king? But you actually were close. You were his servant. You were part of his household, part of his close company. What would you call him then? Well, think about it. The queen is publicly and officially addressed as your majesty. But away from that public sphere, what do her servants, what does the prime minister, what do officers and officials of state call her? They call her mom, which is short for madam. (laughs) What sorts of little things thrown in here today? Okay, no jokes about who's a proper little madam. We'll leave that out. Madam, mom. That's the female equivalent of master. Though if we had a king, he'd be called sir. So you don't go the big bow scrape, you know, your majesty. You, 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 You stand, you talk face to face, you speak eye to eye. With the sovereign, with the with the ruler, and you, you but you say but you say to the queen, madam, if it was the king, you'd say, Sir. If you are willing to believe this, we already have been given a place so close to the Lord Jesus that we can call him master. In fact, in John's Gospel, he himself tells us. He doesn't want to call us his servants, but his friends. But his friends do what he commands them. He is still our master to command us. We still have a duty of obedience. But he draws us into confidence and comradeship. He wants to share with us. He wants to have conversation with us. He wants to have our hearts, our friendship. Yet he's still master. To call him master affirms a number of things, like a shepherd as well. He is the authority and not me. There's one master around here and it's not me. Jesus is master. I am his servant and he is not mine. I don't tell Jesus what to go and do. And you don't do that even by naming and claiming or decreeing and declaring. Right? All of that rubbish. He is not my servant. I am his servant. And I live under his protection and his provision. 
the, the supply, the, the security, the, 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 the supply of grace, the supply of cash flow to run the home, whatever it is, is coming from him. He's shepherd and master. And it also means I'm committed to obey his commands. And sometimes they're not even commands. You see, if you get really close to a master, you know, like, like David's, David's mighty men were close to him. He said, oh, for a drink of the water from Bethlehem. Oh, if I could just have a drink of that water. They risked their lives to go and fetch water for him. It was just a wish. See, if you really love your master, he's only got to express his wish and you'll run and do it. So I don't think of commands as being like, you know, ding, 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 channeled out in stone, out shelter. Sometimes it comes as from the heart of God expresses a, I'd love if you would do that. I'd be so pleased if you would do that. And you sense that through the Holy Spirit. You sense that, that, that the opportunity of pleasing God. Now if you love your master, you'll run to do it. For me, this name, Master, has always deeply provoked me. He is to me the the best and wisest and kindest master and friend. But I, in speaking back to him, always have to acknowledge that I am his unworthy servant and unfaithful friend. Jesus told the story about masters and servants and he concluded at Luke 17.10 with this. So you too, when you do all the things which are commanded you, say, we are unworthy servants. We have done only that which we ought to have done. I tell you, this week I sat in the sauna at the gym and was having that conversation with the Lord again. My faith, my love, my obedience are poor service to my master. Do you see how a name can be life-changing? Changes the way you think, changes the way you feel, changes the way you behave and live. The last one. Most obvious one, really. Jesus is God. Back to Matthew, to the Nativity narrative again. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel. Now, Jesus wasn't named that at his circumcision, but it's a name that attaches to him. It's a, one of the prophetic names that attach to Jesus, which translated means God with us. That quotation is from Isaiah 7.14, but further on in Isaiah, he adds this. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. I, I rather crudely put that, he's really smart. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. We call Jesus God. Does that sound strange to you? It shouldn't, if you're a Bible-believing Christian. 
That is what the scriptures teach us. Jesus was not just sent from God, he is God. He's God the Eternal Son, equal in deity with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. And again, the devil got ahead of this in a way and started getting the Roman emperors to call themselves this. But Jesus is truly our God and Saviour. There are two scriptures, one's in Titus and one's in 1 Peter, I think it is, where no matter how much people want to pull around the Greek, it still really actually says, our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, he's called God. He's our creator. He's our sustainer. He's our final deliverer into a new heaven and a new earth to live with our God forever. He's the beginning, Alpha and Omega, end. This, Jesus. Carol read it from Hebrews earlier. So, what do you call him? What do you call him? It's seen in a movie called The Apostle, which I quite like. It's a strange movie. Where he says, You've always called me, buddy, and I've always called you Jesus. Well, for some of us, I'm going to suggest this. It's time for us to add another name. And to begin to relate to the Lord Jesus on the basis of, I'm approaching, you know, understanding something more about you. What do you call him? I want to encourage you to take on one of these names or another one you see in the scriptures. And to use it regularly both in prayer and in applying it to life. Say to the Lord Jesus, you know, sometimes in Christianity we have to say things we believe and they become more real the more we say them because the more we believe them. And you never stop adding to your faith in that respect. Say to him, Lord Jesus, you are my saviour. Tell him, that he is your shepherd. Tell him that he is your Lord, your King. Tell him that he is your Master. Tell him that he is God. Then see how that begins to change the way you think, the way you feel, and the way you behave. And do it for some time. Perhaps for months. Maybe the whole of 2016. But if you will do that, You see, we're commanded to grow in the knowledge of Christ. How do you do that? By getting to know him better. And he offers his names, the names of God, the names of Christ are offered to us as avenues to come in and know him better. Grow in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Grow in your relationship to him. Therefore, grow in worship. And also grow in obedience. You see, I, I can't spend a couple of times a day calling him master and then ignore what he wants. Can I? doesn't work. So as I relate to him on the basis of the names that pull, that tug my heart, you grow in knowing him. You grow in relationship to him. Grow in worship, grow in obedience. No, we don't know it all. And over the years, you may have heard a great deal, but I, I can, I can, I'm, this is no criticism, I can tell you this, you don't live by it all. 
even if you did know it all, I'm not being nasty if I say to you, I'm really sure you do not live by it all. So finally, let me direct you again to the pattern prayer that the Lord Jesus gave us. For in this pattern prayer, we call on him according to a number of these names that are in the background. Names of God in the Old Testament, names applied to the Lord Jesus in the New. We're asking him to save us and secure us. We're asking him to supply and to shepherd us. And we in turn, and, 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 and secure us and protect us. And we in turn offer ourselves to serve him. Why don't you say it with me? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation. That's trial and trouble, right? But deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen.